Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Howdy, y'all. This is Nick, bringing you another Bad Elf Tech Minute. We're hoping you're doing pretty well. All right, today we're going to be looking at Japan in the news. Two cool things coming out of Japan these days. One is a tiny Rubik's Cube. Have you ever done that Rubik's Cube, that 3D puzzle as a kid? Well, it's the 40th year anniversary, and they are producing a Rubik's Cube the size of your fingertip, and it will retail for a cheap and meager $1,900 for a 40th anniversary. So if you have ever were a Rubik's champion or you want to get into being a Rubik's Cube champion, the 40th year anniversary is probably a time to start. Second, I don't know about you guys, but I heard that in Japan they've officially created their first giant robot. Over the last number of years, they've been doing this in a couple different companies. But if you've ever watched or heard of the famous anime named Gundam, they have now made a Gundam suit over 60 feet high, 24 tons, and there are videos emerging of it walking, kneeling, and gesticulating other different types of maneuvers. I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know between robots and tiny Rubik's Cubes, I think Japan has made an appropriate geoholic tech minute. If you have any questions about these things, please give me a holler at Nick. That's N-I-K at bad-elf.com. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Feeling it, Shoots? I d- I'm not a fish fan personally. It's the, it's the but jam band. I, I did it, it just for you after uh, that last one. You're I, like, I love jam bands. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. Maybe if uh, 207 passes here and they legalize weed, I'll, I'll like the jam band a little more. But uh, careful what you wish for. <laughs> Let's have some fun tonight, boys. Welcome back, fellow geoholics. I, I kind of feel like a cult leader a little bit when I say that. Is that weird? No, not at all. All uh, right, it's becoming a cult. Uh, that's right. a good thing in a good way. I like. It's not it. like that. Uh, sex cult that guy just got sentenced oh, for like yeah. 120 years that was I right a, a podcast where, about that that was right where i came from in new york upstate yeah wow <laughs> that's like my hometown i heard guy. hunter biden was in a sex club have you heard that one? Oh, geez <laughs> we're not starting that that was that was with steve last week i wasn't here we're gonna pass on that uh, all right anyway <laughs> thanks for listening to episode 55 of the geoholics podcast also known as the Terrell Suggs. Forks ah, up. T Sizzle. Yeah, I got like I got the shirt on. Yes, for you do. My Arizona State. I know uh Dr. Nick and and Jake are in on that. Uh some facts on him. Arizona State University. He was the Pac Ten freshman of the year in the year two thousand, straight out of Hamilton High School in Chandler. First team all Pac Ten, Pac Ten defensive player of the year in two thousand two. He has still holds the NCAA single season record with 24 sacks in one season. Wow, that is ridiculous. That's crazy. Uh, 2003 first round, 10th overall pick by the Ravens. Seven time Pro Bowler, two time Super Bowl champion. One with the Ravens. The second one was with the Kansas City Chiefs. There we go. Uh, 2003 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. 2011 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, wow. and he is number eight all time in sacks uh, at 139. Assuming he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. He just retired. He was on the Chiefs yeah. last year. Got his year. ring, and, or second ring. And, and well, got yeah, but there. was he on Arizona? Yeah. Like for and a then half they, a they, season, they, they season, cut then him. They cut him. Yep. He went to the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. good for him. That worked out really well. My honorable mention, just because of the nickname and the Dodgers playing right now in the World Series, Oral the Bulldog Hershiser. Oh, and his uh, 59 inning 
consecutive scoreless streak. Unbelievable. Which I know locally we had B Webb going after it, but yep. he blew it at like fifty four and a half or something like that or yep. and a third. I'm but. gonna throw in uh, of course being a Bears fan in in uh uh, Lance Briggs. Of course. Lance Briggs. Yep. That guy was like a truck. He was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that 50 to 60, that's lo- that's like uh, Hall of Fame linebacker. Linebacker territory central. right there. Yes. Yeah. And, but Terrell was technically a defensive end. And oh. I can say mm. I sat behind him at a Dimebacks game. I couldn't find the picture. It's like six phones ago. <laughs> uh, he was nice enough that he stood up and took a picture with us and he did the forks up when we took the picture. So Good stuff. Absolutely. Oh, word of advice, I don't know what's on those six phones, but you might want to get rid of them. I did, well, that's them. why I keep them so <laughs> nobody else gets a hold of them. There's no crack, <laughs> crack pie pictures or anything no. like that? No, 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 no. All right. Of course not. All right. Come Make on. sure of that. All right. Oh, man, don't throw that out there. All right. I think it's been a minute since I mentioned it, but we have a GoFundMe page. We may sound like takers, but really... We're givers. If you feel inclined to make a $25 donation, in return, you're going to receive a highly coveted Geoholics fan pack that includes a sticker, wristband, koozie, and temporary tan, too. And get this, if you had a couple beers in you and feeling really generous with a $50 donation, you'll receive all the above and a Geoholics t-shirt and pint glass. Hell, even if you send us a buck, we'll mention your name on a future show. Why not? Yeah. Speaking of that, shoots. I need you to make a promise to the folks that are waiting that you will get their fan packs in the mail this week. Okay. I will I will gladly do that. Now I, that you're back and they sewed your arm back on, I know. it shouldn't That's, be a problem. Well, that parachute, the, the first suit didn't break out, and yeah. then the second one just ripped my arm right off. And <laughs> look at we're all good. I'll be pitching again next week. Pitching and mailing. That's what you're going to be uh, doing. Yes, exactly. I'll be, I'll be uh, taping the boxes. <laughs> all right. That opening number, of course, is Fish. Name of the song is Sample in a Jar. Fish is an American rock band that formed in Burlington, Vermont in 1983. The band is known for musical improvisation, extended jams, which shoots loves, Mm-mm. blending of genres, and a dedicated <laughs> fan base. Fish's music blends elements of a wide variety of genres, including funk, progressive rock, Psychedelic rock, folk, country, jazz, blues, bluegrass, and, of course, pop. Fish has developed a large dedicated following by word of mouth, the exchange of live recordings, and selling over, Jesus, 8 million albums and DVDs in the United States. Two additions to that. One of their dedicated fans is on our show tonight. Absolutely. And then two... There's a lot of drugs involved from fish concerts, from what I've heard. No firsthand. Do you know this firsthand? No, I've I've heard about it. Hmm. But I wonder I, why that would be. I can't imagine. I don't, well, well you got to enjoy that jam band for a half an hour with one song somehow. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yep. Got to feel the music shoots. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, as I mentioned, That's uh, so bad. <laughs> as I mentioned in the last episode, if you're looking for a great return on investment of your advertising dollars, I would highly recommend that you consider being a Geoholics friend of the program in 2021. If you think I'm crazy, get this. By the end of 2020, we'll release 47 episodes, nine Geoholics Anonymous roundtable discussions, started a dedicated YouTube channel, which now has close to 130 subscribers, amassed over, gosh, we're almost 650 followers on Facebook. I just looked today. It's like 550 members of the Geoholics LinkedIn group. We'll easily eclipse 23,000 individual downloads. And guess what? As a friend of the program, you and or your company will also record an exclusive podcast to feature whatever you'd like. In fact, we're going to do one of those this evening for one of our current friends of the program. So reach out to us at info at the for more info. 
By the way, we are limiting this to eight friends of the program, so all of them will get the attention that they deserve. So with that, let's let's uh, let's be sure we recognize our current friends of the program. First and foremost, Bad Elf GPS. You can find them at bad-elf.com. These guys are successfully developing high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. Thanks, of course, to Dr. Nick Smolowski and the Bad Elf for the Bad Elf Tech Minute. Mention that you heard about the flex on the Geohawks and receive a hundred bucks off your purchase and a kick-ass fitted hat, just like the one Shoots and I is wearing right now. Shoots and I is wearing. Shoots and I are wearing. There we go. You know I'm I'm married to a former this English teacher. This show sponsored by uh, Anchor Steam. <laughs> well, then we can't forget about Land Surveyors United, the largest global community of geomatics professionals on the internet. I know Justin said seventeen and a half thousand. Is that accurate? 17,300. 300. Okay. So over 17,000. Uh, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. There's a Geoholics page on there as well. Take five minutes, visit the site, become a member. And he is also the man that made our Geoholics app. He did indeed. And thank him for that. Of course. Thank you very much. Next, we got LiDAR News, the virtual home of the LiDAR industry. They strive to provide their readers and sponsors with the most current information about 3D laser scanning, LiDAR, unmanned aerial systems, and photogrammetry. The LiDAR News team, it's like the LiDAR News team, Channel 3 at 10, dun, 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 dun. focuses on the application of technology to solve 3D problems. Check them out at LiDARnews.com. And Parkland College, their land survey program in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, two schedule options, which provide opportunities to both traditional and working adults to achieve a certificate or associate's degree in land surveying. You can find out more with them at parkland.edu slash surveying. I have to believe it's getting cold in Champaign, Illinois right I, now. I would hope so. That was <laughs> co- It's been cold here the last two days. <laughs> Next, we have Unifly. Scott Ohana and his team are developing a one-stop UAV shop. Check them out at unifli.aero. Be sure to click on their How We Work link to find out more. And Diamondback Land Surveying, Mr. Trent Keenan, specializing in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Corporate office is located in Las Vegas, but they're licensed to work across the West. They are also proud sponsors and brand ambassadors of Get Kids in the Survey. Uh, Diamondbacklandsurveying.com to find out more about them and GetKidsInTheSurvey.com. But he's also involved with Mentoring Monday, which I partook in yesterday. Oh, man. Uh, it was pretty good. Did you learn something? I did. I, I learned a few things, and he, uh, friend, friendly enough as he always is, he gave a little shout-out, and he was like, what's the Geoholics uh, update? Nice. So he, he con- consummate friend of the program. Did you represent? Of course. Nice. Proudly. All right. All right. There we go. Uh, next, Advanced Geodetics Surveys, Inc. Check them out at agsgps.com. They have unbeatable deals on new and used equipment, equipment rentals, and supplies. In fact, if you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and use promo code GEO15, you will save 15% off all regular priced field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment and maybe a Sherp ATV rental. We're going to have to do that and just record it. I'm convinced of it. I know we keep saying it, but what are we waiting for? The weather's getting nice out here. Yep. 
Uh, Tiger Supplies, the surveying construction and engineering superstore with over 15,000 products featuring top brands such as Leica, Top Gun, Spectra, and much more. Tiger will get you the equipment you need to get the job done right. Use the code GEO15 for 15% off any Adair Pro item, including tripods, bipods, prisms, prism poles, flagging tape, survey markers, and much more. Don't forget to check out their YouTube page for more product videos, tips, and tricks. Gangwall had fun with that one last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not an ex- <laughs> He's not a seasoned veteran like myself. He's not. But hey, he tried. Ah. He tried. Next, we've got Cyanic Automation. These guys are doing some very cool stuff with survey companies up in Canada, developing new ways to collect daily work records and timesheets in the field, automate invoicing, search jobs by legal addresses. Stuff like that. Check out JobBook by going to their website, getjobbook.com. They are solving operational problems to make your business life easier. Everybody needs that. Also, get this. Tell them you heard about it on the Geoholics, and they'll give you 20% off your first year subscription. Really cool stuff there. All right. We made it, Shoots. We're done. You weren't rusty at all. You're uh, back in the saddle. Hey, it got the arm attached. I'm glad they fixed that. That's hey, great. It wasn't the voice box. The golden pipes are still good. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are at the uh, the Cobb Fenley Sue Sue Studio. Hopefully, you out there are uh, are getting the humor attached with that. A little bit about Cobb Fenley. Shameless plug: the Cobb Fenley mission is to collaborate with employees and clients to provide engineering solutions that further their commitment to growth in the community. Check them out at CobbFenley.com. Might I mention it's also a great place to work. I've heard that yeah. from a few people. Right. <laughs> One of them I talked to way too long and got yelled at by Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's catch up with the boys a little bit. Producer Jake, what's new, my friend? How's it going, guys? I'm doing good. Um, this past weekend, tested, uh, passed my exam for my, my newest sailing <laughs> certificate. I thought you were going to say you tested positive for something. <laughs> oh, yeah, like... that wouldn't have been good. Tested... Uh, as we're sitting here with no mask <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> tested positive for something much, much, much more fun. Um, other than that, today went and performed my civil duty, went and hit the, hit the polls, hit the booth, nice. uh, and, and submitted my vote. So nice. all set for election. Nice. All right. Tell us everything you've voted on and what, what I wrote you... in the, uh, geoholics, okay. all three of us. Perfect. Perfect. Nice. President Kent, I'll be vice president. I don't, I don't want I'll that be responsibility. Yes. Why isn't yeah. there, why, yeah, why doesn't the white house have a producer, producer in charge? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a producer. Yeah. But doing pretty good. How are you, Ryan? I can't complain. I literally have nothing to report. I've been quiet. Uh, other Besides than the parachute other accident. than my parachuting accident, uh, long story short, supposed to go to New York, fly out Wednesday. We got put on the, uh, quarantine don't go to new york from arizona list on tuesday so plans were changed kind of just laid low and waiting to see when i'll do that so if everybody that's a big shoots fan you're gonna miss me again at one point i'm sure but other than that again not a whole lot to report just hanging out with the family what about you kent uh, well, we missed you last week, so glad you're able to make it back. I'm thankful that you said that, not Jake. He didn't miss me. What's up with me? Well, I went to Pine this last weekend, of course, taking full advantage of the tiny piney. And two funny things happened to me. One, I was referred to as being disabled. Okay. And two, I met a lesbian cowgirl whose family was one of the founding families of the town of Pine. And she freaking branded herself. 
Okay. Yeah. Like, like you would a cattle. Yeah. Like with, a cattle prod thing, right? So, um, yeah, we saw her at one of the local uh, local establishments. Had met her the weekend previously, and she recognized we were talking. And she, you know, had a few anchor steams, I'm sure. And she's like, you know, we are like, you know, I don't even know how we got on the topic. You know, she's like, yeah, I branded myself, you know. So she pulls down her shirt, and sure enough, her name is Charlie. Not Charlie, but Charlie with an S. Okay. So she pulls down her shirt, and on her right, left, I'm sorry, left was right to me. Left breast was a S hmm. branded, like right on her chest. Hmm. It was the most bizarre thing. You never know what you're going to find up no. in Pine. Well, that, that's something I've always wondered about. Have you seen those, like, football players yes, that have, like, brand yes. on their arm? Exactly. Like, what the hell? Like, how many of those guys are the doing? What the hell's the matter yeah. with them? Yep. That that would hurt so badly. Hey, that's fraternity life. I, I won't even get a Geoholics tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And the disabled thing, we were playing this game called, uh, what was it called? Quir- Quirkle? I think it was called Quirkle. And there's colors involved, and there's six colors, and I'm colorblind, and I can't see the difference between like green and red and blue and purple, and I was referred to as being disabled. I'm so. going to give you one of these because we're on the same page. Yeah. I get that from my seven-year-old yeah. when we play Uno. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Oh, has I, he called I, you disabled yet? Uh, He just kind of looks at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get out of this. Safety apparel, safety share. Matthew Stansbury has developed the best safety vest on the planet, also known as the Party Chief Safety Apparel.us is where you can find them and also make sure to check out all their social media platforms they're doing a ton of cool stuff giveaways you know highlighting pictures of folks in the vest stuff like that so uh thanks to matthew stansbury for uh, being a supporter of the show shoots what's our topic they pop up all the time on my social media they are active on there yep. uh, i'm gonna keep it easy and simple tonight service your tools and machine re- machinery regularly it's, yep. it's that simple uh whether it's Survey tools and everything involved with that, or for somebody like an aerial, our airplane needs to be serviced regularly. You don't want that thing falling out of the sky and with drones and all that good stuff. Uh, Should not only be done when they break down, you should do it to prevent any malfunctions in the first place. Uh, It's going to cost your business money if it breaks down, and more importantly, somebody could get hurt. Not not good. Yeah. Uh, needs to be thorough, professional, and regular. Proper maintenance includes inspection, testing, measurement, replacement, adjustment, and keeping the logs, especially with airplanes. Good stuff. All maintenance needs to be done in accordance with the manufacturer's recommendations. Not just anybody can maintain your equipment. Some of it will have to be subcontracted to professionals that deal with these specific pieces of equipment. Very good. I like that. Hey, I like how you tied that into the safety chair. That uh, was great. Hey, Nicely done. Trying. All right, let's get on with this. So we're setting a geoholics record this evening, and that record is number of guests. <laughs> <laughs> so we're fortunate enough to have the uh, the Bad Elf team with us. And as we mentioned previously, Bad Elf has been a supporter of the geoholics from very early on. We really appreciate that. So I'm going to run down the list of folks that we have with us. We have John Cunningham. He's the CEO and co-founder of Bad Elf. Paul Vanderlei, COO and co-founder. Brett Hackelman, CTO and co-founder. Larry Fox, VP of Business Development and Marketing. John McClellan, Director of Support. And of course, Dr. Nick Smolowski, Director of GIS Solutions. So first and foremost, thank you everybody for being with us this evening. I do have one quick question. Uh, Brett, what is a CTO? Uh, chief technology officer. So I'm the chief nerd, basically. Chief nerd. <laughs> All right. 
I like it. I like it. Um, so, <laughs> Bad Elf, first and foremost, where in the heck did Bad Elf, who, who is Bad Elf and where in the world did that name come from? Uh, who wants to start with that? Is that John? Sure. Um, there, there are differing opinions on the origins of the name of the company because it did occur in Stuttgart in about 2000, the fall of 2009. Um, and involved a lot of beer. And it was a long beer. time ago when we were drinking. So yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. But um, foggy. We had Brett and I had left IBM in 2005, and Paul joined us a couple of years after that. And we were there. Um, we we had started a company that was mainly doing software and services, and it it was kind of tough to be a slave to the hourly wage, pretty much. And Brett had this idea that, hey, we should be able to make our own hardware. Um, pitch that to us while we were drinking. And of course we said yes, because it sounded like a great idea. And uh, he went off and did the Skunk Works project and that was the birth of Bad Elf. But the company that we were doing before, the number 11 had been important to us. And we were, we were trying to think of um, another name for this new company that was gonna build hardware that was a little more fun. And uh, Brett suggested Elf because elf is german for 11 hmm. and so we started playing around with different different names and uh we settled on bad elf and we uh contacted a, a colleague of ours who had done some artwork and he came up with the logo and we just knew that was going to be it and uh for years and years after that marketing consultants approached us and told us you have to change the name of your company this is silly this isn't serious you can't have the name bad in it uh it sends the wrong message and that was completely contradicted by our experience at trade shows where everybody would come up and say, this is fun. This mm -hmm. is cool. You like this. Your elf is cute. So we, we've just stuck with it and it's, uh, it's worked out really nicely for us. So when Paul came on board and it was Vanderlei, you guys didn't want Vanderlei Industries? Well, you know, I'd already gotten that domain name a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> you owns that domain. But kudos for catching that. Yeah. Paul is the master of that domain. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, how did you guys get into the geospatial industry then? So we, we started uh, mainly focusing on aviation because Brett was a private pilot. And there was another company uh, called ForeFlight that had come out with moving maps on the iPhone. And then the iPad launched in, in what was it, 2010, right? So... Uh, we had been making these little plug-in GPS receivers because Brett wanted to know what his position was, and there was no GPS inside the iPhone at that point in time. And uh, oh, there, Paul's showing you one right there on the screen. And they just took off. Brett flew out to uh, Southern California or drove out, I don't even remember, and was he was, <laughs> he was like a dealer at the air show. It's like a little bag of these little plastic things saying, I got a GPS receiver for your iPhone. <laughs> and, and so he was taking cash for it. And we built the first thousand and we figured that would last a while, but they were, we put them on Amazon just before uh, Halloween in 2010 and they were gone by Thanksgiving. Wow. And that was a mad scramble to try and make some more of them. And so we, we spent a lot of time over the early years doing aviation and then boating and Marine. And then we started to notice a trend about what, five years ago that a lot of people were picking it up for GIS applications, not not GIS professionals per se, but people who needed to do location-based tracking of assets or information. And we were an affordable solution for that. 
and you know we we decided that that was probably where our bread and butter was going to be and you know ultimately that's why uh, larry and nick are now part of the team because that's our major focus now so kind of give me the uh, chronological timeline of like you know who was involved in the beginning and you know uh, like when you brought the other guys on yeah so uh, uh, i can i can take yeah, some of that I'll too that. john if you like um we started, uh, it was mostly the three of us doing Bad Elf. And I think we were doing software, hardware, business development. We were addressing, we, we were uh, cutting and pasting addresses on shipping labels. I mean, we were doing everything. And uh, we knew right away we were going to need some help. And uh, so I think the first one of these faces to help us out was John McClellan. And we brought him on. He was working remotely in Chicagoland. Hmm. And he started doing um, tech support for us uh, from there. I mean, in the very ever since the beginning, we've been a distributed company, right? So that's the first four people then in four different states. Um, and, you know, from there, as we did more and more stuff, we, we, tried a few different things. We brought in some help to do uh, bookkeeping and so forth. But then our, uh, then when uh, Larry and Nick came on board later on, that was mostly to focus on GIS. Gotcha. And what is Bad Elf doing different um, from a business model perspective in a already well-established geospatial industry? Paul, you want to take this one? Hmm. What well, I was going to ask Larry or Brett to talk about that. So yeah, maybe Brett, Brett could put a spin on that. I yeah. Delegate that one to Brett. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as a company, you know, we started uh, very much in the consumer market for aviation. So we were working with individual pilots, uh, you know, helping them solve the problem of moving maps on their iPad in the, in the cockpit. And so we've always had a very much a, you know, end user consumer focus. Um, and kind of starting on the lower end in terms of price range and and uh, building up from there. And so we started off with a very simple plug-in product over the years, expanded our product family to be Bluetooth and have more advanced capabilities. So we've been kind of moving from the, the bottom of the stack up. And obviously most of the established GIS players are starting on the extreme high end um, and moving down when they can. Um, and so that's kind of given us a, a nice advantage in that, you know, we... Um, We've uh, we've stayed pretty small and nimble, and so that lets us really experiment with different products, uh, work very closely with the end customer, and uh, it's uh, frankly just more fun. We can be less serious, and we can have a name like Bad Elf, um, and uh, we can we can do crazier things. So yeah, no, that's awesome. So essentially, clients can reach out to you guys, and you will kind of tailor things more to them than obviously your larger companies. Right, right. And, and we're, um, so for us, you know, we also see it as, for us, it makes sense because, you know, there is a, with any market, there's a long tail of customers and, uh, you know, GIS workers. And we kind of see this, uh, you know, any given, you know, municipality might have a GIS team and there'll be one survey person on there who, um, you know, owns the, the, the expensive gear. And then there may be another dozen other folks that, you know, have their iPhone or their iPad. And so we kind of see it as by by starting lower in the, in the market in terms of uh, uh, cost, you know, we can help that the rest of that team do really good work in the field 
um, with minimal training and just the right right amount of piece of hardware to do the job. I'm curious, are there any concerns that smartphones, and maybe this is already happening, are smartphones at all chipping away at what you guys develop? Yeah, you know, it's something we're always watching the market. Um, our, our philosophy from the very beginning is just always to add the bare minimum amount of hardware that we need to, to then augment and, you know, take, make use of the, of the device the end customer has the iPhone or the iPad or Android device, you know, those have beautiful displays. And so what we do is we're not trying to replace those devices, right? Where our screen will never be as beautiful as your, as your phone screen will be or the apps on it. Um, and so, um, there's always the concern. Uh, one big factor in obviously high accuracy GNSS is that it's all about the antenna. And so that's one area where every time we see a, a cell phone manufacturer launch something that has a really nice chipset in it that could support some GNSS type scenarios, mm -hmm. they always put a really crappy antenna on top of it. And that's because they're trying to cram it in there with everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and so um there is no doubt that we're watching technology you know obviously innovation is happening every day um and so we've are we really focus on the fact that you know parts of this are are chipsets that are being thrown off by cell phones and uavs and other technology you know autonomous vehicles um but you still need it to be in the right package so it needs a great antenna it needs a good user interface uh, it needs a long battery life you know all these other factors so we really focus on those to really just deliver, you know, the best product we can around that. So you guys focus on functionality over aesthetics, which makes more sense to me personally. I have a phone that I could not care less what it looks like as long as it fits in my pocket or whatever, and it does what I want it to. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go over to John. Uh, can you talk about your cloud solutions a little bit? Uh, sure. This is it, it's the interesting thing for us is that. Our core competence was really in software. Uh, we have decades and decades of software experience building everything from embedded systems to mainframe systems and you know, now cloud systems. Uh, but Brett's little Skunk Works project brought us into the world of hardware. And we, we spent a lot of time uh, learning how to do that. And now we're at a point where we're able to get back to uh, what it is I think we do best. And so we've got the the firmware that runs on the GPS receiver. We've got the app that runs on your mobile platform. And we've got a cloud component now that allows us to uh, manage the, the licensing and the, uh, the customer management portions of this. And it gives us the opportunity to really expand things because as a small business with really not very many people yet with a global supply chain and distribution system, we've relied very heavily on cloud integration in order to make our operation uh, run much more efficiently with a lot less labor. And we see that this may be an opportunity for us to uh, explore going forward. Yep, I'm glad you clarified that because you guys are primarily focused on the hardware side for right now. Are you partnered with any software companies uh, at this point in time? We are an Esri partner, um, but let me just say that uh, watch that space. There's some interesting things I think we could be doing. 
Well, okay. I struck so, a nerve there. Did yeah, you see that? Yeah. Well, he got he got a little uncomfortable for a second there. <laughs> he didn't I, wanna, I felt it. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to release everything. <laughs> well, right now. hey, like it, yeah. we're, we're a small time. There's got to be here. some secrets, right? <laughs> we're not breaking news here. <laughs> uh, Brett, let me ask you this: your customer base and what are you guys trying to solve with the hardware, with your software partnerships? What what's essentially the end goal? Yeah. Well, so it really is about solving problems because that turns out that's what customers pay you to do when they buy your product. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, as a, as a, uh, you know, starting out in the aviation industry, obviously as a pilot, I kind of knew what I wanted uh, to use in a product as we've moved into GIS. It's really, um, Obviously, we've, we've built up a great GIS team and and survey uh, you know team with survey background, but at the same time, it still comes down to really just focusing on the customers, uh, listening to them. So the the biggest you know kind of wave that we've been riding for the last you know going on 11 years now is um, is just the bring your own device you know kind of um, trend. Um, you know, people really don't want clunky proprietary hardware anymore. They don't want to be locked into a, st- a full stack. Um, and so they want to use the phone or the you know tablet they have in their in their pocket or their backpack, and so um, um, it's really about kind of letting teams do more with less. Um, you know, letting them have their whole team collecting data at a much more affordable price point, and uh, it's uh, it's it's worked pretty well. So, hmm. so we had uh, we and, had. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and you know, one other approach we've had from the very beginning is where you mentioned software. We're we, we generally are agnostic about, you know, what apps are running um, on our hardware. We've we've made a point of kind of staying that way, even though we could have taken different directions, because ultimately the end user, you know, needs to be able to choose what app is best for their scenario, you know, for their use case. And especially in GIS, there's so many scenarios that we hear about every single day with apps that are super specific to that industry, uh, to that use case. I mean, there's dozens of apps that we we test with and work with every day. Um, and so we we work really closely with those app vendors uh, to make sure our hardware works well. But the whole goal is to not not lock the end user into anything uh, is really been our mm-hmm. strategy. And that's um, you know I think I think customers and people appreciate that because they've certainly seen the alternative in the past. That's that's uh, really really interesting. Uh, so we had Nick on our show as a just him solo. I don't know. I remember what episode it was, but it was a long time ago. It was a long. It was in the when beginning. The earth was back green. in the Stone Ages. Yeah, <laughs> but he used a word that I had to like practice for a week, and that oh. word is <laughs> democratization of GNSS. Um, and as we got more into it, you know, he talked about what basically is a paradigm shift as far as that goes and really a new business model. Larry, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So if you're ready for my, I had a dream speech, (laughs) it kind of goes like this. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in the G industry for, for years at one of the, one of the big guys, we don't, we don't need to. We don't need to name names, but I, I've seen this space for a really, really long time. And, you know, as Brett mentioned, we we see a lot of people using phones. I mean, the whole bring your own device thing really, really changed the game. Instead of people using, you know, the dedicated collection tools that are very expensive, they're like, hey, look, my phone is kind of cool. It's pretty powerful. You know, I, I could play games on it, I could read email, oh, and I could run my GIS or survey app or whatever it is that I'm doing for mapping. 
you know, the biggest challenge was, you know, the receiver, right? You know, Brett mentioned that, you know, we were building up these external high accuracy re receivers, but that wasn't quite ubiquitous in the world. And the ones that were out there, well, you know, frankly, they're kind of expensive, actually very expensive. Uh, Mr. McClellan over there knows that I like to refer to everything in kilo dollars. Well, there are many, <laughs> many kilo dollars. Um, so democratization to us, uh, which is really in the truest form, means we want to bring this high accuracy GNSS receiver to as many folks as possible, whether that's uh, a, a skilled a data collector working for a city all the way up to a, a professional surveyor. And the challenge has always been cost. Um, you know, a typical survey rover, you know, running around 10K, that's a lot to shell out for. So democratization is really kind of level in the playing field and giving everybody the opportunity to have access to technology that they might not have had before. So, you know, the paradigm has been very expensive hardware equates to high accuracy. Um, you know, my, my I had a dream was, hey, look, we understand as a technology company how to build this stuff. So it's not so much about just hardware and charging a bunch of money for, for hardware. It's bringing a valuable piece of equipment to as many people as possible. Because one of the things that's been really common in the last couple of years is hearing this term of accuracy is addictive, mm. which I think is just, it, it's cool. It really is. I mean, yeah, you can give somebody a two meter solution. They're like, oh, wow, that's cool. I remember selective availability and that was like 30 meters. Well, now you could bring people down to centimeter level solutions, but we wanted to even take it a step further. We wanted it to be in a world where you're paying for the accuracy you needed at the time. So if you just need kind of like, you know, a foot or two for GIS work, well, you've got a receiver that's going to do that all day long. If you really need some high accuracy work, you, know, you think like an oil and gas guy who's just out mapping stuff most of the year, but a month of the year, they've got to go do all their compliance stuff. They pay to unlock a receiver. It gives them a high accuracy receiver that they would normally charge you know, a lot of money for. And now they have access to this when they need it. And, and really it was about a business model of, Hey, don't make these things be capital costs, make them be expense costs. Let the finance people uh, write off uh, the variable cost of using higher accuracy just as an operational cost. And so we probed hundreds of customers to go, what is it that you know really, really floats the boat? And changing the business model with how they paid for this kind of hardware is really what we were after. And I think I think we did a dang good job with that. I think you did too, as a matter of fact. And you can find out more information about all this at bad-elf.com. Yeah, there you go. See how I throw that I in like there? It, Boom. Yeah. Like how you Professional. Uh, wove that in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that we talked to Nick about that before, and he said there were different tiers and all that and breaking it down, and we're not going to get that in-depth on it. But, yeah, there. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it on there, or, or you can call any one of these guys. 
I like this uh, renewed and refreshed big shoes. I, hey, a week off. I'm all better now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we, we, I think we've dug into the technical side of things uh, enough there. Um, talk about how the Bad Elf team has been successful during 2020, of, co- of course, with COVID and, and everything else. I'm sure there's been some challenges for you guys. Um John, how about uh, working remotely? How how was how, how, how have you guys survived through the pandemic so far? So as Paul uh, mentioned earlier, we started working remotely. So for us, this is really nothing new. We do have uh, a larger office in in Scottsdale, so those guys may have had um, some more interesting stories to to share with you, and probably similar to your own experiences. But it's really it it's been interesting. Um, of course, you know, when March hit, no one really knew what to expect. Uh, we are fairly conservatively managed as a small privately held company. Uh, so we were not in, in panic mode, uh, because we're not too large. We didn't have to worry about huge payroll or any of that stuff. Uh, we did see everybody sort of freeze what they were doing for a period of time. And, uh, it's been nice to see through the summer, uh, businesses come back and, and things are really good. And I think, you know, the, the important thing is when, when the chaos struck, the team really pulled together and everybody you know, put their nose to the grindstone, worked harder. Um, really, I think it'll, uh, I'll speak just for myself, but I really didn't want to deal with the outside world and all the crap that was going on. So focusing my energies internally on, on productive things and being able to knock those down was, was a way of channeling my uh, frustration and anger into something productive. So it's um, it feels like we're through the worst of it and that things are, you know, while, while they may not be normal on the outside, inside the company, things are normal. And I, I think we're in a good place. And, and, you know, obviously there have been some, some opportunities along the way with some of the, the funding programs that were out there from the government that we took advantage of that helped relieve some, some of the stress, uh, through those early, uh, weeks, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's an adventure and this isn't, this isn't the first existential crisis we've experienced. Um, I'd say this is probably our, our third serious one and fourth total one. And, um, after a while you get kind of jaded, it's like, all right, so we're going to go through this again. Let's see, what do we have to do? And you just, figure out a way to do it and get by. That's an interesting perspective. And you guys are doing a really good job. Of course, I follow you on a bunch of social media outlets and LinkedIn and that type thing. And, you know, just being involved with the, uh, you know, the, the virtual conferences and, you know, doing mm-hmm. webinars and stuff like that. Um, you know, it looks like you guys are experienced in this scenario and have definitely been successful throughout. Um, I have some friends that are in like the trucking company and that type thing. And I know one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we asked you was about supply chains and the challenges that may have come to the surface uh, on that side of things as a result of the pandemic. Larry, would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, You know, parts come from all over the world. Stuff is made in a variety of different places. And China is one of those places where a lot of the electronic parts are made that are in pretty much everything that uh, we build, 
other uh, consumer and industrial systems use. So when it, you know, when when things kind of got shut down there, it really uh, it really changed uh, how we had to look at you know managing a supply chain. We were just so accustomed to you know place an order, you have a reasonable lead time, and you get stuff. Well, that was the place where all the stuff came from, <laughs> and that just really changed the game. Um, so we had to get really smart about things because, you know, part of it is as the recovery occurred, uh, there was a lot of hoarding. Uh, lead time started increasing dramatically. And, you know, we're a small business. You know, we have, we have to be smart. We don't have an unlimited balance sheet to buy, you know, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of parts just, you know, because we want to, you know, secure that. So we, we still have to be very smart about it. So it's really taught us how to leverage the assets that we have, both from the people perspective and, you know, from, from the, the company perspective, so that we could build out enough to make sure we're able to continue to supply product for our customers in a, in a rational way. Um, it's still challenging. Uh, the, the cost of shipping from overseas has just been dramatically higher. Regulation, tariffs, all the other, you know, you know trade wars are going on. It's, it's really challenging. Um, but I think, you know, all of us as a team have a lot of experience in, in what it takes to, to build products, to handle supply chains, to offload stuff where that ain't our smarts and somebody else is smarter than us, they should do that. And I think, you know, for us, um, we're still, you know, as John mentioned, we're, we're still going gangbusters, moving forward, making smart decisions, you know, being rational as a small business. I think the only thing I miss is a little bit of travel. Boy, it was nice to, to be able to get, uh, around uh, i don't think i've been on a plane since january mm. yep no well doubt. in that regard i think we we're a little bit lucky right i mean uh in our product cycle uh in the beginning uh we have to do a lot of travel and spending time with uh contract manufacturers and and uh, securing vendors for accessories and so forth so there were a lot of trips overseas there and we had just really gotten to the end of that part of the cycle when COVID hit, if we hadn't finished all that stuff, it would have really set us back. So the fact that we were done with that and it was really now just a matter of, um, you know, firing up the, the supply chain and uh, and start to manufacture, we would have been in, in some hot water. So as it was, it was a good time for us to just say, well, let's start making product and let's go heads down on making the software, um, you know, uh, feature rich. So it, it kind of, there was some windfall too, not all just bad for us. Well, that was pre-planning and uh, good timing on your part. <laughs> you guys yeah, managed right. to uh, get it done just in time. Yeah. Um, with with the, the whole 2020 pandemic, and like you said, Larry, not getting on a plane, uh, I know personally just going out and seeing people, customer engagement and seeing them and, conferences as as ken said you guys have done a great job on the virtual stuff but uh the day-to-day you know uh was it pressing the flesh as they say uh how have you guys been handling that i'll start without 
or start out with Mr. McClellan and then uh, follow up with Dr. Nick? Uh, guys, I just have to say this has been amazing. Uh, we had a we had an idea about seven years ago to have a Bad Elf podcast, and we tried. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot of heavy lifting, and you guys are just rocking this. It's um, all Jake. It, it is. It is. So I'm glad you noticed that. Um, yeah, customer engagement. I've, I've been with Bad Elf for, for a couple years now. They brought me on as the, the token hillbilly. Um, and for a boondoggle to Oshkosh. And so I, I've seen us transition from aviation into Marine to off-roading uh, and now into GIS. And, and it's, it's been amazing. There's been a common thread through it all, which is just the, the passion that each group shares about what, what they, they are into. You know, there's a joke that we, we bring up quite often that's, uh, you know, how do you know somebody is a general aviation pilot? And the answer is they'll tell you. <laughs> same thing goes with GIS professionals, right? How do you know they're GIS professional? Oh, they'll tell you. And so that's that's what keeps us going. I know it's 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 just fun to learn new things on a continual basis, whether it's aviation, marine, uh, and engaging with those customers. And then Nick deals, especially on the sales side, a little bit more often than I do. I only get them when they're a little grumpy, maybe. Uh, so Nick. <laughs> I would well, say that the uh, aviation that goes with sailing as well. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, had, we, had, we had some Marines also. Yeah, How do you know somebody's a sailor? They'll tell you exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just, just rewind about you know forty minutes. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, John, um, maybe maybe I have it a little bit easier. John and I get to play if if I'm on the front end a little bit with the, the proactive engagement, and John's more on the support side. We get to play good cop, bad cop. So I, I often get to be good cop. John, or maybe vice versa, but uh, we, we work pretty good in tandem. What's what's nice about Bad Elf and being in this industry long enough is we proactively uh, uh, communicate and engage with our customers as one of our primary goals and objectives. It's not an afterthought. It is the thought, right? We talked the last time I was on uh, Geoholics, um, and I believe, by the way, it was episode two. So it's been wow. 53 episodes. I don't know. It's and by the way... Episode 55 is the two numbers and the serial number for the flex. 5,500 is our model number. So I think this is all serendipitous. For some oh, reason. Now, now he's getting deep on us. Um, yeah, little, yeah, another big word. Last time I was here was democratization. This time it's serendipitous. So Ryan, you can A little numerology <laughs> there too. I like it. <laughs> um, but no, we, we take um, engagement with customers very seriously. The flex, the battle flex in itself is an testament to that because, you know, asking our customers what did they need in a solution it wasn't just i mean everybody needs a cheaper and more affordable solution but it's we want a screen we want data fidelity we want long battery life we want to be able to interact and be agnostic with our different phones and tablets and we really just listened and from the very first moment that i was doing some um actually before i was uh, on the payroll with that off doing some consulting it was go talk to people and listen. I mean, I literally, the first gig I had with these guys was walking around and surveying customers and uh, at, a, at a large conference. And so, yep, uh, the world we live in today is a little bit different. Um, we have to be dynamic, nimble, and kind of um, creative on how we're going to continue that engagement with, with conferences. Uh, being virtual, we, we know there's this Zoom uh, fatigue going on. Uh, here's a shameless plug. We are doing the IMGIS conference. So if you're one of uh, the thousands of people out there right now doing that conference and you want to swing by our virtual booth, you can. 
we are we are hanging out. But um, you know, and again, I just want to summarize that we we pride ourselves that we talk to our clients. We, you know, one of the things we we don't really we don't have that same business model that once you get into our ecosystem, you're going to pay for everything. Every time you turn around, you open a door, you're going to pay for a license, you're going to pay for um, a subscription, you're going to pay for support, you're going to have to have all of these X, Y, and Z things for your solution. We just don't do that. Um, you know, if you if you need help, you call us or you email support. Um, if you need some training on the front end when you get your new unit, we're going to set up a call and we're going to help you out. And so um, it's been really fun to get to know the Bad Elf um, customers and, and clients. And I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. It's, it's really interesting, going back to the Bad Elf name, how people have just an affinity for us. Like, we were at this conference a couple of years ago and we're at our booth and, you know, we have the modest size booth. Um, and right near us was one of the big dogs and they just got everything. And I was like the skyscraper at booths. but you watch the booth traffic, man, people are over at bad elf having a good time that, you know, they can let their tie down a little bit. They're hanging out, you know, they're talking to John. They're like, you're the guy on support sometimes, you know, and it's, it's fun. Like we have a good time. You know, they're like, they love our little buttons and taking selfies with us and, so it's, it's been really cool to be able to engage with, with the community. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we really like to do that engagement. Awesome. Thanks for that, guys. And your branding is is awesome. I love it. And you, one thing I want to talk about is the, you know, kind of the company culture of Bad Elf. Obviously, collectively, and you guys, you know, have great minds and great problem-solving ability. Um but there's also a time to have some fun, I'm sure, as well. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about the company culture. Yeah, um, John and I, and and to some degree, Brett, we came from our uh, a culture of a small company that we were a part of, and uh, it was it was remote in the '80s and '90s, and that was hard to do. And and one of the things they did is they brought everybody together once a year, and they and uh, so software teams from all over the world would be together and spend time together. So that's a value that uh, we brought forward uh, when we when we founded Bad Elf, that we wanted to be spending time together. So when we do things like conferences, uh, we don't all just at the end of the day disappear into you know different hotel rooms. What we often will do is get a big Airbnb, we'll all hang out together, maybe we'll cook in the backyard or something like that. So we try to spend time uh, doing that stuff, especially as a remote team. But then also um, Brett and John and I, and, and and I know Larry have spent time working at big companies. And so we kind of picked up some anti-patterns too, things that we said, well, we are never gonna do things like that. So right now we don't have an HR department. We don't have policy manuals. We're small enough that we can do things kind of seat of the pants. That also means that, you know, we can we can have beer in the refrigerator, right? We can we can uh, we can bring the dog into the office if that makes sense. We can bring the kids into the office if we need someone to watch the dog. Um, we've been also, you know, working remotely, which means you're 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 integrated with your with your home life much more. And so that means we work long hours, but that also means if there's something going on, we need to run a kid to some softball practice or something, we just do it. Yep. Um, so it's easy going, everybody, everybody's dedicated and yet everybody, you know, can do what they need to do. So we're not super strict. 
Yep, I love that. I can totally relate to that story, and I'm going to do another shameless plug here for Cobb <laughs> Fenley, just because I think you guys would probably fit in really good here if you're ever looking for a job. Um, so or a partnership. Or a partnership. Whatever there we, we want to yeah, say. Yeah. In, our, uh, in our Albuquerque office, there's uh, one of the guys that works for Cobb Fenley is a, a master brewer. So he actually has a, I don't know, a 30-gallon system set up in the office, and you know, they, they brew their own beer there. And then they took it one step further and purchased a, a short bus, we'll call it, you know, the little school buses, painted a Cobb Fenley colors. And what they do is they, they, uh, they, they take the short bus, they take their clients on a brewery tour around Albuquerque, end up back at the Cobb Fenley office drinking Cobb Fenley beers. And it's just, it's great for business development and just building relationships. So. I got to work with Cobb Fenley more often. Apparently. got to get to New Mexico. Yeah, you and me both. Oh, may not man. come back. You guys have a, a goal in mind now. He's setting the bar pretty high for you, but yeah, we, we want to see the bad elf short bus. <laughs> well, it, it it is well known that you guys like beer, and that's where the name came from. Um, who would like to explain the love of beer and where all this comes from and goes to? Who's who's willing to step up? Tell a story about interesting <laughs> beer trip to Germany. Oh, no, sorry. I had my script and I was trying to read it and my glasses are a little foggy. No, uh, yeah, no, beer does play a huge part. Brett, um, Paul down in the bottom left corner, I mentioned earlier, um, just kind of that first trip where Bad Elf came from, where there was long ago and lots of beer and Bad Elf became a thing. Um, and so so for our 10th year anniversary, we were, we were kicking off the flex and, and Energeo happened to line up. Uh, with Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. And and so everybody that's on the panel tonight, call it a panel, uh, got to experience that together and it was amazing, right? That, that's some team building if I ever did hear it. Um, and so part of that trip was was just a journey out to this little monastic brewery. Uh, it wasn't Trappist, it was monastic solely, uh, called Ondex. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's I, you know, if you've been to Wisconsin, it's like that times 10. Um, it's, it is the heart of Bavaria. Uh, just amazing landscape. Every, you know, any way you turn, it's, it's a photograph that should be turned into a jigsaw puzzle. And, and in the heart of it is the best beer you've ever had. Mm. Um, I mean, I know you guys, well, Kent, I've been watching you drink this evening and I'm so wondering if there's a game involved. Is there a word <laughs> you're looking for? Is there a safety word? Uh, no, his, his, his word is it's time. <laughs> it's time. So oh, thirsty, it's time to talk thirsty, about... thirsty. <laughs> So, yeah, no, so we had this great experience. And so, so over COVID, um, John didn't mention this, but, but we set a goal for ourselves, an internal goal to keep pushing through it all. Uh, you know, at least in Scottsdale, the office complex just emptied out, right? Everybody mm-hmm. started working from home. There was three or four of us in the office most days, socially distancing. We, we had special hats we wore to make sure we'd stay six feet apart. Uh, and so we hit our goal. And so I guess I'd like to challenge some of your listeners, um, I don't know if you can see in the background there. There's a new kegerator that's that's graced the Scottsdale office. Uh, we hit our goal and we've treated ourselves. Nice. Um, once upon a time before I left Illinois, I, I had a kegerator, and every good kegerator deserves a name. Hmm. Uh, the one in Illinois uh, was Kegelbert Humpty Drink. <laughs> uh, and this one doesn't have a name yet. So I don't know if you your uh, listeners, uh. if you have a good way to get us, get us those suggestions. Um, this one so far, we, we had Barisma come up that was a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> um, but certainly looking for something. All right. And if somebody 
comes up with a successful name, can they at least get one of these bad L, uh, badass? I'll hats? ship them a hat. I will <laughs> send them a hat. All right, we'll make sure. Certainly. We'll, I will ship them my hat. It might will... it might be a little sweaty and stinky, but they can have mine. <laughs> we'll pr- we will promote that. That's a great idea, for sure. All right, so before we get out of here, let's talk about any visions you guys have for uh, 2021. Larry, talk about you know what you're seeing as far as 21st century fieldwork goes. Oh, 21st century field work is, is, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of the things we talked about. Uh, people are going to use phones, tablets. That's just going to happen. Um, there's a lot of people who write some beautiful software and Hey, uh, we've got beautiful hardware. What a marriage, huh? You you know, the big thing though, that I see is using more devices, augmented reality, which I just think is officially cool, uh, especially in the GIS space. Uh, but, you know, Brett mentioned earlier on autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. Autonomous vehicles are driving some sick technology. Yeah. They're driving high accuracy GNSS, they're driving corrections networks. And for us, I, I just think we're in a great place to with our mentality and the way that we create products and the products we already have, um, I'm just really excited about where I see technology going because it's really, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, it's been really, really static. And, and this particular industry is moving like nobody's business. And so I'm just, I think as a team, we're just game on, you know, change the technology, make, make it cooler, because I think there, there's a, a little bit in all of us that are kind of technologists that just, just love new and flashy things. And, and so the technology is really going to drive a lot of where we can go going forward. But I, I, I have some big uh, interest in augmented reality. I just think that's cool. Absolutely. Totally agree. And uh, technologists thinking outside the box, which is even better. Uh, so Nick, Larry shared with us what he's most excited about. What are you most excited about moving forward? Oh gosh. Um, probably the day-to-day integration. Um, I think you're going to see the internet of things, location-based devices, um, you know, these big data systems continue, you know, to upgrade the way we live, um, you know, interestingly enough, right before the podcast, we were discussing SpaceX, for an example. I mean, they're putting their Starlink system out there where you're virtually, you know, in North America, as soon as maybe next month, pretty much anywhere in North America, you're going to be able to get 100 meg download speed. And, um, you know, how is that going to push personal wearable items? I mean, you've got things like the Neuralink. And um, so I, I think you're going to continue to see this integration. Uh, we were also discussing um, earlier today. Uh, that we forecast after the sun of this COVID season that potentially you're going to see some economic increase with maybe like uh, national infrastructure projects and things to help the economy coming back. And I think that provides a really good opportunity for hardware manufacturers like us to find these niche markets. Uh, And I think it goes back to the democratization of GPS or GNSS. Uh, More satellite constellations come online, things become more affordable. Uh, no longer do you have just the small survey team with the ability to collect that type of data. 
Uh, you know, nowadays and now the whole team, actually outside of the team, the entire organization can have access to these types of, of devices. And last but not least, I'll say, I think we're going to continue to trend towards real-time analyses of data and collection of data as we continue to deal with things like climate change and forest fires and um, you know, political unrest and epidemiology. Like We've got to have this information to consume very quickly to make um, informed decisions. So I just I think that's all that system is going to continue to integrate. And uh, that would be my answer. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Nick. John McClellan, what keeps you motivated? Keeps me motivated. Uh, well, we already talked about the keg raider. Besides beer, <laughs> um, they, they told me if we hear it next go, we get another keg raider. Um, no, I mean it's a fun. It's it's just having fun on a daily basis. Uh, if if I'm, you know, I mean, I think that's why we're all here. If we're not having fun, uh, it it wouldn't be something to show up for. And so, staying staying entertained and staying engaged. So, yeah, great answer, great attitude. It. I love it, Brett. How about you? Yeah, I think it just comes down to the crazy uh, customer stories we get, you know, what they're doing with our with our products every day. Um, I really like hearing from our uh, customers that are out in like developing nations that are just doing cool stuff and bringing, bringing uh, what we consider kind of basic basics to their uh, population. Uh, so ut new utilities, new, you know, uh, water, electricity, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I like hearing the stories. Yep. Yep. Good answer. Uh, well, as, as you can see, we're going up the list here. Paul, what keeps <laughs> you excited about uh, Bad Elf and the new year? You know, uh, when when we're together, either either virtually or in person, if we get together in person anytime soon, we, there's always a lot of brainstorming. And one of the things that that I enjoy is watching how quickly we can we can toss around an idea and then prototype something and see if we can and get it going. So there's there's lots of ideas always flowing, but uh, on the other side of that is one of the things I always say is uh, it, you've heard of the uh, the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Yep. Where mm -hmm. you name anybody and within six people, you should be able to reach Kevin Bacon. Well, when someone brings up an idea, you know, they have to show the bacon. Basically, they have to connect it to somehow this is going to be profitable. So you have to make the case within within a couple of sentences that this idea you have could turn into something profitable. So that's one of our mantras for going forward. And that is, you know, connected to Kevin Bacon. He took it and flipped the script on us. Kevin Bacon to bringing home the bacon. Yeah, I think we're I'm impressed. I, and I like the uh, six degrees of the geoholics. <laughs> we're almost, we're going to get there, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I like two degrees to bringing home the bacon. I think my <laughs> wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> all right, John Cunningham, why don't you uh, wrap this up for us and pull this whole thing together? What, what, what keeps you excited and motivated? Sure. I mean, the, the thing that, that makes it worth doing is really the people in the organization. I know that's kind of cliche, but it, it's true. We've, um, we found a collection of like-minded people who like to have fun doing what they're doing. And I think it all comes down to everybody in the company really likes to learn new things. And, and I know that that's, and Paul and Brett like to make fun of me because I will go down that rabbit hole. Like if there's something that I get an interest in, I will just bulldog that until I learn everything I can about it and try and get it done. Um, sometimes that's to the detriment of operational things that need to get done, but it's, um, it's nice to be in a small company where we get to choose the things that we work on, learn the things that we want to learn, apply them, see, see them turn into bacon. And, uh, it's exciting. And, you know, we, 
the organization. Everybody's pretty supportive of everybody else in, in terms of finding those niche pursuits that they want to go tackle and uh, making it possible for them to do that. And I think that that, that helps us grow uh, pretty dynamically. All right, I'm going to test the hierarchy slash teamwork of the Bad Elf team right now. Uh, I'm going to throw it out to everybody. Any parting words or points of discussion we may not have touched on before we shut this thing down for the evening? We didn't cover what John actually has put inside his kegerator. Oh, I, I'm very curious. I'd like to you know. see the teamwork right here. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. It took us six weeks, maybe seven weeks, uh, but we were able to track down a keg bandex. It's a Dunkelweiss. Oh. It's it's uh, it's the nectar of the gods. It's gonna it hits your lips and it makes you feel complete as both a you know just a human and just an organism on this planet. You're connected to all. Um, it's it's like what a fish song makes you feel on the inside. <laughs> So when's the first uh, Bad Elf slash Geoholics happy hour? Uh, we'll take that off, off offline. <laughs> as soon as COVID so is... soon, very soon. Um, ask, ask Dr. Nick there. He'll be uh, he'll be happy to share. Um, right. I'm sure we can get an invite for you guys. All right. We'll make that happen for sure. Anybody else? What do you guys, anything before we go? Let's, what's, what's Bad Elf? Leave it that open. I'm going to jump in and go, it's just great to be with customers. And I think you know, a lot of us dig that. that you know, there's so many companies that are like hands off. You know, Brett and I went up to uh, Snowball and gotten a bunch of trees with one of our customers. And I'm just happier than a pig. And you know what? You know? I love being around our customers because they talk to us. And, and so just hearing what they have to say and getting into a dialogue. I mean, man, that, that's like super inspiring. You know, it's like, where does it hurt? You know, what, what would you like to see, you know, kind of dream with me a little bit uh, or just, you know, share what you're doing with your kids this weekend. It, right. it's, I, I think we all really, really enjoy that. And that's what makes this company just, just cool is because we're engaged with our customers. We're not, you know, hiding away and saying, Oh, here's a product. Go, it, it's great because we made it. Now we want to we, we want to touch the customers and see them using it, and because it inspires us. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact that you guys, you know, not only you know super passionate about the business side of it and the development side of it, but the fact that you also loop in the humanity side of it and the personal touch. Yep, are in, in touch with your customers. I mean that that just speaks volumes. So again, you know, first and foremost, uh, thank you guys all for taking the time to be here with us this evening. And more importantly, thank you for the support that you've provided to the Geoholics. We we can't say enough. We really appreciate that. So always appreciate it as a friend of the program and this kick ass badass hat or exactly. whatever you call it the only question i have <laughs> what does it take to get i uh i i guess the the threesome of the the, the geoholic bad elf caricature we got to get that done oh no we'll talk to nick about that too so nick's <laughs> responsible for happy hour and bad elf geoholics caricatures he did send me the one that looked like me just because it was an elf with a goatee he was like yeah this looks like you of course <laughs> Hey, it looked like you. I'm just saying. It did. No doubt about it. He looked manlier than me. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Okay, maybe it was an yeah. improvement. I'll take it. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much. I believe we can put a bow on this one, boys. Absolutely. Thank you guys all for being here. Check us out at uh, thegeoholics.com. 
Follow us on all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, by searching for The Geoholics. Be sure to download all our podcasts from Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't forget to download The Geoholics app, as Shoots mentioned earlier, from Land Surveyors United. And, of course, please subscribe to The Geoholics YouTube channel. As I said earlier, email us at info at if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Fish sample in a jar available everywhere please don't forget to support our friends of the program every chance you get including bad elf until next time pay it forward add value make friends and most importantly be safe and healthy everyone have a good evening All right, once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Bad Elf GPS. Find them at bad-elf.com, Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com, LIDAR News at lidarnews.com, Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu slash surveying, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot A-E-R-O, Diamondback Land Surveying at diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys at agsgps.com, Tiger Supplies at tigersupplies.com. Cyanic Automation at getjobbook.com. Safety Apparel, you can find them at safetyapparel.us. And finally, Get Kids Into Survey at getkidsintosurvey.com.